Everyone who believes on Jesus will be executed or deprived of basic human needs because you'll be able to buy or sell nothing. And so death will sweep the planet. And this Babylonian whore will persecute the people of God. She will be drunk with the blood of the saints. Welcome to Search the Scriptures, the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Carl Brogy, Senior Pastor of Community Bible Church of Beaufort, South Carolina. We're in chapter 17 of our study of the Revelation. Earlier this week, we saw that once the Antichrist is on the scene, he'll form a one-world religion which will be facilitated by the absence of Christians on earth following the rapture of the church. This religion will in turn metamorphosize into a one-world government. As we rejoin Dr. Brogy, he addresses how Satan will use this one-world religion to unite everyone, and those who don't participate will not be allowed to buy or sell, and ultimately will face universal persecution. Every single prophecy for the first coming of Jesus Christ has been literally fulfilled. God is batting a thousand. God alone knows the future. There are no fulfilled prophecies in the Quran, none in the Book of Mormon. Those are false works. Only the Holy Bible, these 66 books that you hold in your lap, can be counted and considered the Word of God. Now, when you look at the political uh, entities in the world today, even within our own nation, it is so difficult for people to get along. But there's coming a day when Satan will use religion to pull them together. People will often, in the name of religion, give everything. Muslims who blow themselves up. Even the apostles who died a sacrificial death because they were unwilling to renounce the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, there's coming a day when Satan is going to combine the church and the state in order to achieve his evil purposes. Now, we spent two weeks just on six verses. Today, we're going to begin in verse 7 and go through the end of the chapter, and we need to handle it as a whole because there is a section where we are given a prophecy, and then the prophecy is interpreted for us. So it's that kind of narrative section where you need to deal with it as a unit. So fasten tight your pew belt and get ready. We've got a lot of material to cover. But I want to begin by reading the entire chapter. Follow along in your Bibles. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke with me saying, come here and I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters with whom the kings of the earth committed acts of immorality. And those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of her immorality. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was clothed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a a gold cup full of abominations and of the unclean things of her immorality. And on her forehead a name was written, a mystery, Babylon the Great the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. When I saw her, I wondered greatly. And then verse 7, where we want to begin today. And the angel said to me, why do you wonder? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her 
which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not, and is about to come up out of the abyss and go to destruction. And those who dwell on the earth whose name has not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will wonder when they see the beast that he was and is not and will come. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. And they are seven kings. Five have fallen. One is. The other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must remain a little while. The beast, which was and is not, is himself also an eighth and is one of the seven. And he goes to destruction. The ten horns, which you saw, are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but they receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. These have one purpose, and they give their power and authority to the beast. These will wage war against the lamb, and the lamb will overcome them because he is Lord of lords and king of kings, and those who are with him are called and chosen and faithful." And he said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. And the ten horns which you saw and the beast, these will hate the harlot and will make her desolate and naked and will eat her flesh and will burn her up with fire. For God has put it in their hearts to execute his purpose by having a common purpose and by giving their kingdom to the beast until the words of God will be fulfilled. The woman whom you saw is the great city, which reigns over the kings of the earth. Now, for the sake of those who are new and for the rest of us so that we understand where we've been, let me just briefly review the first six verses, which we've studied two weeks on. Look at the opening verse. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bulls came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, and I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. If you don't have it out there already, put Revelation 8-2 next to verse 1, because if you remember, these are the same seven angels who had the seven trumpets, and these are the same seven angels who had the seven bulls. Let me read Revelation 8 in verse 2. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. Now, if you've taken my course on angelology in the Institute of Biblical Studies, then you may remember that there are a number of different classifications of angels. There's cherubim, also called the four living creatures. We've studied them on a few occasions, especially in Revelation 4. We thought about the seraphim when we considered the fall of Satan in Ezekiel uh, 28 and Isaiah 14 and in Revelation chapter 12. They are certainly a high class of ranking angels. Then, of course, we've studied also in the 12th chapter of the Revelation, Michael the archangel, And then there are these uh, seven here. Now, these angels are said to stand before God. And he uses a tense that describes they are there in the presence of God habitually. In fact, that's the way the angel Gabriel described himself when he appeared to Mary. He said, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. And of course, it was Gabriel, who announced the birth of the Lamb, and it was Gabriel, whom we've already seen, who announces the terrible wrath of the Lamb. Now, there's something that you and I are going to witness firsthand, and it's what we are reading today. 
we are going to see this work of God Almighty enacted as we are in heaven. And we are going to see these angels step up to the plate and watch God move them across the world to execute His purposes. Now, these seven are not named, but they blew their trumpets in chapter 8, and they poured out their bowls in chapter 16. And now one of those seven, we're told, says, come here, and I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters with whom the kings of the earth committed acts of immorality. And those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of her immorality. Four times in this chapter, sitting, uh, starting in verse 1, there is this woman who's also called a harlot, and she is guilty of porneia, immorality or fornication, depending on your English Bible. And please note from verse 2 that the references to Babylon's religious system is pictured here with sexually charged words. Now, God typically, when He refers to Israel as His bride and when He refers to the church as Christ's bride, does not use this word. But He still uses the term adultery. Why? Because like Israel was married to God and God has not forsaken Israel, He made unconditional promises to her. So forget the supersessionism of our day, that of replacement theology that says God is done with Israel. We will see how wrong that is before we're done with the revelation. But as God was married to Israel, God is married to the church, and so He uses the word that describes extramarital sex, adultery. And so James says that you are adulteresses when you make yourself a friend of the world. You are being unfaithful to God. But when God describes an unbeliever, someone who's never met the living God, who's involved in a false religious system, He uses this word porneia, fornication. And the two are linked, not just in terms of spiritually, but physically, because very often we witnessed it this week, did we not, with the United Methodist Church? Fifty-three percent of all the delegates that came from around the world said, no, marriage is between a man and a woman, and 47 percent said, no, we need to ordain gay people and marry them as well. Well, they're already doing it in the American church, and the only thing that saved that denomination this week that I have no doubt will lead, end up in a split was the African believers. They are Bible-believing Methodists. And there was more of them so that they voted down the American church. And when the American church threatened them with money, I was so proud of them. They said, keep your stinking money. We don't need it. We're going to stand for what is right, and God will provide for our needs as He chooses But very often, immorality is wed together with false religion, whether it's the Mormonism of Joseph Smith, a man who had 44 wives, or whether it is the uh, sexuality of homosexuality and illicit heterosexuality that is being endorsed even in Protestant churches today. And so here she is described, this harlot, as being unfaithful to God, and she attracts the kings, the prime ministers, the presidents of the world. Then if you remember, following the invitation in verse 4, in the Spirit, he's carried into a wilderness. In fact, first in verse 3, it says, and he carried me away in the Spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and ten horns. 
She's sitting on a scarlet beast. She is a spiritual whore of sorts. And of course, verse 15 tells us that her sway is over peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. And then we saw that not only does she have a powerful influence across the world, she has great wealth. In verse 4, the woman was clothed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a gold cup full of abominations and of the unclean things of her immorality. This woman is going to be extremely prosperous. Why? Because she will be wed to the state. And the state will fill her coffers as long as she obeys her leadership. And so God describes her colors of purple and scarlet. And we noted last time that that was an exquisite color in the first century, usually only worn by kings because it was this single most expensive dye in the world. And she is described as being dressed in gold and precious stones. And she has a golden cup, given the appearance of being a, a utensil in God's hand, but it's filled with wickedness and immoralities. Furthermore, if you remember in verse 5, we learned that this harlot, this woman known as Babylon, she is the root, the mother of all false religion. And on her forehead, a name was written, a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and of the abominations of the earth. She is the mother of harlots. She is where all false religion began. And so we went all the way back to the book of Genesis, where God prophetically by type, much like with Abraham on Mount Moriah, illustrates the coming Christ. With Nimrod there at the Tower of Babel, illustrates the coming Antichrist. And so Babylon is the source of organized rebellion and worship and adoration and idolatry. It all started back in Babel, or in many of your English Bibles, Babylon. It's the same word, just in shortened form. And so two weeks ago, we studied the Tower of Babel and its prophetic significance. Now, where spiritual religion, true religion, is based on the revelation of God, False religion is always based on the wisdom and the revelation of man. And so all of the religions of the world have a common property that man can somehow, by his own mind and effort, achieve what he wants to achieve. And it's the opposite of what biblical Christianity teaches. There's nothing the Bible says that we can do to merit heaven. We don't need a boost from below. We need a birth from above. Jesus said you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. And so she's given this title, and we noted this is one of the few times in all of the New Testament when all caps refer not to an Old Testament quotation, but indeed to a title like the title over the cross. Verse 6, And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, and with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. This harlot is described as being drunk. She persecutes God's people. And during the tribulation period after the church is gone, those who have never heard the gospel before, which would exclude virtually everyone today within the sound of my voice, but those who have never heard the gospel before in clarity and in power, through 144,000 Jewish witnesses, because God's not done with the Hebrew people, through two special witnesses, through an angel who flies in the heavens, 
The great commission will be fulfilled. This gospel shall go to the ends of the earth, just as Jesus said during this seven-year period. And what we've not been able to do in 2,000 years, God will pull off for us during this time period. And millions of people will call upon Yeshua in faith, even the Jewish people. And everyone who believes on Jesus will be executed or deprived of basic human needs because you'll be able to buy or sell nothing. And so, death will sweep the planet, and this Babylonian whore will persecute the people of God. She will be drunk with the blood of the saints. But as we will see, there will come a time when the Antichrist will have no latitude for this woman. He won't be satisfied with this harlot who gathers all the religions of the world together. He wants exclusive worship. And so we're told in Revelation 13 and verse 15, and it was given to him, that is the second beast, the false prophet, to give breath to the image of the beast. There's going to be an image, we studied it in the 13th chapter, that will be set up there in a rebuilt temple up on top of the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. And this image is going to literally be given breath. It will speak so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many as who do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And of course, this will be the total eye-opener for the Jewish people when the abomination of desolation, that's this event. The Antichrist goes in and he says, I'm God. There's an image that literally comes to life and they will realize he cannot be God. He is a false prophet because idolatry a violation in the Decalogue will be displayed on that day. So during this time in human history, the soil of the earth will be covered with the blood of the saints. And those who oppose this one world religion and ultimately the Antichrist himself will be martyred. And that's what false religion has done throughout the centuries. It has martyred tens of thousands and millions of God's people but in a way in the future like the world has never, ever seen. Please notice how verse 6 ends. John said, when I saw her, I wondered greatly. That is to say, he's, he's blown away by the vileness of her persecution. Now, that's where we left off. And so now one of the seven angels is going to explain some things to him. And if you're using your note-taking outline there in your bulletin, the Apostle John is going to record for us the relationship between the woman and the beast. And he's going to describe this relationship on three levels. First, the beast comes to carry the woman. That's the first thing I want you to see. The beast comes to carry the woman. Please notice how God's angel responds to John here in verse 7. And the angel said to me, why do you wonder? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. Now, we just read in verse 6 that John said, when I saw her, I wondered greatly. It's actually a play on words in the original. Literally, it says, I wondered a wonder, I marveled a marvel. And again, he's just astounded as he sees this unrestrained wickedness of this spiritual harlot who has filled herself with the blood, with the martyrdom of God's people. He's amazed. He's marveled. He's astonished. Why? Because as we'll see in a moment, the city in which this takes place, in which this is headed, that affects the whole world, is the city of Rome. 
So he's carried away and he's, and he's witnessing the headquarters of this harlot being the city of Rome itself. And in the first century, remember the city of Rome was the church of the catacombs. Some of you have been with me to the city of Rome. We did a Footsteps of Paul tour years ago. And it's shocking to him that this church that is leading the way across the planet in the proclamation of the gospel and even being willing to be persecuted is now going to become headquarters for a false religion. So the angel said to me, why do you wonder? It's kind of a rhetorical question because he's going to tell him that there's no need to wonder about this wonder, for this angel is going to reveal and explain to him the answer. Notice, I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. So here's this woman. She is viewed as being carried by the beast, and the explanation that follows is going to be more about the beast than about the woman, the harlot itself. She is not carrying the beast. The beast is carrying her. She has an alliance with the beast, again, the Antichrist. Most of us know the beast by his most popular name, though the word Antichrist never appears in the Revelation. And the only one who ever uses it, of course, is the Apostle John in his epistles. He is most commonly called the beast, though he has 30-some different titles given to him in the Old and the New Testament. And you might think that the person sitting on the animal would be controlling the beast, but as this chapter is going to reveal, the one who is underneath her is actually controlling her. And before he's done, he's going to destroy this one world system of religion for his own one world system of religion. I tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. Now, please notice he does not say the mysteries, plural, but I will tell you of the woman and the beast when he describes this. He says of the mysteries, singular, because there's not two mysteries, the woman and the beast, but one mystery. And the reason revealed for this lopsided explanation, because it is not the woman who's ruling, it is the beast, it is the Antichrist who is ruling. These two are linked together, they're inextricably tied together, but the Antichrist is just using her. Much today, as politicians will sometimes use Christians in the church in order to achieve their goals and their plans. We've had presidential candidates that have come here and in my office and senators and U.S. representatives, and I always try to search out what their motivation is, and I always, without shame, ask them the diagnostic questions to see if I can share the gospel with them. Well, here's a time that is coming when the state is going to use this religion. Look at verse 8. He describes it more fully. The beast, the Antichrist that you saw was and is not and is about to come up out of the abyss and to go to destruction. Now, the fact that the beast was now and is not and will come up out of the abyss was introduced to us further, do you remember, back in Revelation 13. Hold your finger here and go back a few pages to Revelation chapter 13. You should bring a Bible with you. You need a Bible. You'll get 50% more out of any sermon I preach if you have one. 
Now, remember, every time you see the term the beast, it is either literally referring to a person, namely the Antichrist, or it is referring to the kingdom that he represents. Now, back here in chapter 13, let's think again about the survival and the revival of both the Antichrist and his empire. Now, we learned a whole lot about this man when we studied the prophet Daniel. If you weren't here for that series, go to the App Store, type in Search the Scriptures, download the Search the Scriptures app, and you can listen to that series. But actually, Daniel 7 and Daniel 11 teach us more about the Antichrist than any book in all of the Bible. He is described in that book as an intellectual genius of sorts. He is an incredible orator. He has an ability to speak like few have. He's the master politician. He's a military mastermind, but he is an evil deceiver. He is a man who's coming, who has had no equal in the history of the world, and he will be Satan's instrument to destroy Christians and Jews during this time. Revelation 13, look at verse 3. I saw one of the heads as if it had been slain, and his fatal wound was healed. And the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. So John's describing this coalition of kings, and one of the kings, one of the heads is killed, so to speak. He is slain. And the whole earth is amazed because he's healed. And so they follow after the beast. Now, if you remember, this is a challenging verse for many faithful Bible expositors for the simple reason that one of the things that isolates Jesus as unique is his resurrection from the dead. His resurrection is a declaration. It is an announcement. Remember what Paul said in Romans 1.4, that Jesus was declared, he was announced, the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. The resurrection is important because it says Jesus is Lord, that he is sinless, that death could not trap him in the grave because he never, ever sinned. And so that verse speaks of the deity of Christ like many similar to it. And so if the Antichrist is resurrected, that seems to diminish Christ's claim by the resurrection, maybe even fully dissolve it. And so to get around it, Some say, well, uh, it's not really the Antichrist who is resurrected. This must be his kingdom that is resurrected, that it's not referring to a specific person, but of his kingdom. Well, we saw the problem with that interpretation in the context of Revelation 13, but I at least appreciate what they're trying to do. Still others say, well, this was a feigned death. This was a fake death. This was one of the Antichrist lying miracles, that he didn't really die. He just appeared to die, and that this was a fake resurrection. And that's taught by some good Bible expositors that the Antichrist will stage this resurrection. And they would say, since only Christ's resurrection is an affirmation that he is Lord, this is not something the Antichrist can do. A plain and simple reading of Scripture indicates that the Antichrist will indeed be slain and then he will seemingly be resurrected. This then presents a problem since the resurrection of Jesus Christ was affirmation of his deity. And we'll tackle that when we gather again next time to continue our message, The Woman and the Beast. To listen again to today's program, use the Search the Scriptures app for smartphones and tablets, or visit us online at searchthescriptures.org. 
You can also order a CD or DVD by calling 877-787-7478 and requesting program REV49. Search the Scriptures recently began broadcasting on some additional radio stations in the greater Boston area. And we'd be grateful for your gift to help underwrite these added expenses. If you'd like more information, call 877-787-7478 or simply give online at searchthescriptures.org. Tomorrow, Dr. Brogy's wife Audrey is in this time slot with her program for women, Mothering from the Heart. And when we return Monday, we'll continue our look at the woman and the beast. Join us then as we search the scriptures. <music>